Hi, everyone. It's time for another two adventures from the tales of the Texas Rangers here at 1001 Stories of the Old West. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Smart Kill. It is approximately 11 o'clock on the evening of May 14, 1939. In the small South Texas town of Carville, Mr. and Mrs. Edward Woodley have been spending the evening at the home of friends. Called to the telephone but a moment ago, Ed Woodley, his face flushed with excitement, now hurries across the room to his wife's side. Martha! Yes, dear. Martha, come on. We got to get out of here. Ed Woodley, have you taken leave of your sister? Here, I picked up the coat and purse. Quick now. Sam's sake, Ed. Amy, I'll call you. Good night, Tom. Call you tomorrow, John. The world's this all about. I'll explain in a minute. In this side, Martha. Push over, I'll drive. Well, I never. Ed Woodley, what's the big idea of running out on Amy's party that way? Heaven forbid everyone thinks. I think I did right in not busting up the party. Well, you certainly didn't help it, Amy. Now, would you mind telling me why you made such a spectacle of yourself and why you're driving this car like a maniac? Martha, that phone call was from Sheriff Fuller. He said our feed and grain company's on fire and burning like fury. Oh, no. That's what he said. Look off there. You can see the flames in the sky now. Oh, Oh, Ed, why didn't you tell me before? Well, I couldn't see any point in tell about it at the party. Would have busted it up for sure. I'm sorry I spoke like I did. I don't blame you. Oh, I sure hope the fire department's there. We'll know as soon as we get around this bend. Oh, Ed! Yes, Sheriff was right. She sure got a good start. The fireman can hardly get near it. Really burning, Martha. It's Sheriff Fuller. Got his hands full, keeping folks back. Oh, I'm glad you got here, Ed. I'm afraid she's pretty much on the way. She's bound to go up like tinder sheriff. She's piled high with feed, grain, and cotton. Yeah. Oh, I sure wish I could get in there for just about two minutes, though. Don't you dare try to get near there. I said I wish, Martha. All my ledgers in there. I don't know how I'll ever get straight on paperwork. Firemen are having a terrible time getting close. You can feel that heat all the way over here. Thank the Lord it didn't happen when someone was in there. That's your office right where that window is, isn't it, Ed? Yes, but it might just... Well, Martha, what is it? The window. I saw a face, a man's face. Calm down, Martha. The way flames jump around, you just imagined it. Yeah, there's nothing there now, Miss Woodley. I tell you, I saw a face at that window. Then it seemed to fall back inside. Martha, please. Could anyone have gotten in there tonight, Ed? Of course not. There is no... Look! Look! Now! What? 
Sure, she's right. Yeah. There is someone in there. I, I know. I, I saw him just oh. before he fell back in here. Oh. We've got to try to get him, Sheriff. How, Ed? You're oh. gross before you got anywhere near. Oh. We can't Ed, just stand oh, here. there must be something we can do. Just one thing, ma'am. Oh. Pray for him. It's too late oh. for anything else. Roaring fire raged far into the night, completely destroying the feed and grain building. Sheriff Fuller, suspecting criminal intent, asked for the help of the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, arriving at Carville the following morning. He and Sheriff Fuller went immediately to the scene of the fire, only to find a good many curious townsfolk already there. It's a good thing my deputies were out here all night, Jace. Folks just wouldn't stay awake. Morbid curiosity, Sheriff. According to what you told me, the body should be right around here someplace. Yeah, just about. Well, let's just... Over there, Sheriff. What is it, Jason? What we're looking for. Or what's left of them. Good Lord. That's awful. Fire's a pretty awful thing. Hey, watch where you kneel, Jason. Hard to tell what's burned through and what's still solid. Yeah, I know. Fire did a real thorough job. It's not going to be easy getting an identification on him. He's too far gone. Mm, I was afraid of that. A fire like this didn't just roar up in a minute, Sheriff. It took time. If this fellow, whoever he is, wasn't drunk or hurt, why didn't he get out? Mm, I never thought of that. I want to see the front and back doors, Sheriff. Sure thing. This way, Jason. Here's the back door right here. Sure not much left of it. Well, this helps. Padlock, huh? Yeah, a big one. Uh, locks from the outside. Still locked. Let's get to that front door. Over this way. Be careful, Sheriff. A lot of these spots still hold their heat. Yeah, I know it. The front door should be about here someplace. This is it. Look at it, Sheriff. Another padlock. This one locks from the outside, too. I guess that answers your question of why he didn't get out. It sure does. It couldn't have been an accident. He was put in here. That makes it murder with malice, Sheriff. That figures. Well, what's the next move? Right now, there's only one important thing. Identification of the body. As soon as the J.P.'s through with him, we'll have an autopsy performed. Sure, not much left of him to work with. I know. Maybe his teeth will tell us something. Yeah, but that'll take some time, Jace. Won't be just standing idle in the meantime, Sheriff. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work. the sheriff and I were at the home of Ed Woodley, the man who owned the burned-out building. Both Woodley and his wife looked haggard and weary-eyed over their coffee cups. It was easy to believe they'd been at the fire all night. Once the sheriff had introduced us, Woodley lost no time getting to the point. Well, what'd you find out, Ranger? Do you know who that man is yet? No, Mr. Woodley, we don't. Well, I'll be in the kitchen if anybody wants anything. The body was pretty well burned, Mr. Woodley. Going to be hard to identify. We can use your help. Have you got any idea who he could be or how he got in there? No, not the least idea in the world. Was the building always kept locked at night? Always, Ranger. From what I could see, there are just two doors. How many windows? Two. They looked burglar-proof to me. They were, but not fireproof. You own the feed and grain business by yourself, Mr. Woodley? No, Sam Taylor's my partner in the business. He's got that formula joint mine. I see. Mr. Woodley, who else besides yourself has a key to the building? Why, uh, there's only two keys, Ranger. Sam's got one and I got the other. Yeah, this is mine right here. Where can I find your partner? 
I'm afraid you'll have to wait on that, Ranger. Sam has been on the road for more than a week. He does the traveling for us. I think he's in Dallas now, but he should be home in a day or so. You think, Mr. Woodley? Don't you know? Well, Sam's not much of a hand for phoning me, Ranger. And what do you mean? He, he and his wife, they only been married about a year. <laughs> I guess you'd call him a kind of lovesick fellow. When he's on the road, he does all his phoning to his wife. We'll look her up. I don't suppose I've been much help to you, Ranger. Just can't figure how a thing like this could happen. Be a lot easier to figure later on, Mr. Woodley. After we find out who the man was in the fire. The sheriff and I got in the car and drove to the farm of Sam Taylor, Ed Woodley's partner. Though the two partners' farms adjoined each other, they were both big spreads, and the drive took a good 15 minutes. Main house is just a little farther down the road, Jace. Good-looking farm, Sheriff. Yeah. You don't have to worry none about Sam Taylor or Ed Woodley. Everybody in town knows they got no use for each other, but business-wise, they do right well for themselves. You get the feeling Woodley's got no use for his partner's wife, Sheriff? Yeah, well, she is kind of uppity. Keeps to herself, mostly. That's one of the reasons Sam Taylor isn't as popular as he might be. Uh, this is it, Jace. Turn in here. Uh-huh. Jace, tell me something. Are you figuring Woodley burned down his own building for some reason? Say, like insurance? Doesn't figure. If he wanted to do that, he sure wouldn't put a body in there. Mm, you're right. That don't make sense. Who runs this place for him? I've got a Mexican who handles most of it. Yes. Oh, Sheriff Fuller. Good uh, morning, Miss Taylor. Uh, this is Ranger Pearson. Ranger? Howdy, ma'am. Is there something I can do for you? We'd like to talk to you, if we may. Of course, won't you come in? I hope we're not interrupting anything. Of course not. What gave you that idea? I thought I heard you talking to someone. Oh, that must have been the radio. You'll have to forgive the house being so untidy. I haven't been able to get at my housework what with people phoning to tell me about the fire. Excuse me, I'll just turn that radio off. Won't you sit down? Thank you, ma'am. Now, uh, what can I do for you? It's about your husband, Mrs. Taylor. Mr. Woodley says he's out of town. That's right. He's out of town working while Mr. Woodley stays at home. Can't even prevent the business from burning down. You know that there was a body found in the fire, Mrs. Taylor? Well, so I hear. We'd like to talk to your husband. Exactly where is he now? Well, how could he possibly have anything to do with this? He's in Dallas. Where's he staying? At the Barclay Hotel. Have you heard from him since he's been away? Yes, he called me from there night before last. And you haven't heard from him since? No. That's what we wanted to know. Thanks for your help, Mrs. Taylor. You're quite welcome. Ranger, have you any idea yet who could have started this fire? We're more interested in the man who died in it. Of course. Goodbye, ma'am. Goodbye, Ranger. Hey, Jason. Uh, wait till we get in the car. What were you going to say, Sheriff? When she first opened the front door, did you hear a door in the back slam? I did better than that. From where I was, through the window, I could see a man hightailing it away from the house. Looked like a Mexican. Tall, good-looking fellow? Yeah. Arturo Ramirez. He's the foreman I was telling you about. Oh. I wonder what he was doing in the house this time of day. That's what I was thinking. Well, what do we do now, Jason? Run up to Dallas and hear what Sam Taylor has to say. We 
made good time on the road and at 5 o'clock that afternoon walked into the lobby of the Barclay Hotel in Dallas. As we approached the desk, the room clerk, a fussy little man, about 50, looked up at us over his bifocals. Yes, sir? Can I help you? Uh, what room is Sam Taylor in, please? Oh, he's in room uh, 401. Or was that 403? Uh, just let me check on that, will you, please? You know, Jace, if Sam Taylor had anything to do with that fire, being registered here would give him a pretty strong alibi. Yeah, no, I'm... Well, I'm terribly sorry, sir. I was mistaken. That's all right. What room is he in? Well, that's just it, sir. He isn't in any room. Mr. Taylor checked out three days ago. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. You've seen it happen time and time again. Children playing. A ball rolls into the street. A child rushes after it, full in the path of a speeding automobile. Perhaps the driver stops in time. The chances are he can't. And another tragedy, another accident due to carelessness is chalked up to become a figure on next year's statistical chart of traffic accidents. Let's all keep this year's traffic accident rate as low as possible. Stay within the speed limit. Don't endanger your life by trying to get somewhere too quickly. Better late than never may be a tired old saying, but it's also good common sense. Be alert and careful every moment you're behind the wheel. Never drive after drinking. Stick to your side of the road and watch for warnings at grade crossings. Remember, it's your life that's at stake. You can't afford to be careless. The life you save may be your own. And now we return you to Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Smart Kill. fairly sure that Mrs. Taylor had lied about receiving her husband's call from the Dallas Hotel since the record showed he had left there three days before. As we approached Carville the following morning, we were radioed that the autopsy report was waiting for us at the sheriff's office. We decided to look at it first before our talk with Mrs. Taylor. Anything interesting in it, Jason? Plenty, Sheriff. There was a removable bridge in the victim's mouth. Doc turned it over to the lab crew. Boy, that could sure help. Yeah. Now listen to this. A broken knife blade, approximately three inches in length, found lodged in the third rib just below the heart. Stabbed? Uh-huh. From condition of the rib, knife was apparently driven in with great force. The rib bone itself deflecting the blow away from the heart. But I saw him at the window trying to get out of that burning building. Sounds like something the killer didn't figure on. What do you mean? I got a hunch the victim wasn't supposed to be alive when he was put in there. Oh, excuse me. Sheriff Fuller. Oh, yeah, Johnny, we just got in. Yeah, we just been looking over the autopsy report. Well, good, we figured you would. Let us know if you hear anything, huh? Fine. That was your lab man, Jace. He just wants you to know he sent out pictures of the victim's bridge work to all the dentists in the county. Let's hope we get a quick identification on those teeth, and we won't be working only on theories. Jace... You're thinking that body could be Sam Taylor, aren't you? What else can I think, Sheriff? He left Dallas more than three days ago. Mrs. Taylor lied to us about that phone call. 
I think that body in the fire stands a pretty good chance of being Taylor. Come on. Let's get out to Mrs. Taylor's and see what she's got to say. Oh, but good morning, Ranger. Sherry Fuller. Morning, Miss Taylor. We'd like to have another talk with you, if you don't mind. Well, I, uh... Would it be all right if I dropped around to the office later in the day instead, Sherry? I think it's important enough that we talk now, Mrs. Taylor. Uh, very well. Come in. Hey, Becky, where you keep the cayenne pepper? Oh. oh. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that you had visitors. Well, that's all right, Arturo. This is Ranger Pearson and Sherry Fuller. Arturo Ramirez, our foreman. Ramirez? Howdy. Uh, senor's glad to know you. <laughs> Arturo's not only our foreman, he also cooks the best Mexican food in the state. He's making enchiladas for lunch. Now, if you gentlemen would care to stay... Oh, thanks just the same, Mrs. Taylor. It's a little early for lunch. <laughs> well, of course, you won't be ready for a while yet. Uh, si, si, senor. Si. Good Mexican cooking takes a lot of time, you know. It m- must be started early in the day. Uh, well, if you have no further need of me... Uh, I return to the kitchen. Buenas tardes, senores. Mrs. Taylor, why did you tell us your husband called from Dallas two days ago? Because he did. Why? We went to Dallas after we left here yesterday. Your husband checked out of the Barclay Hotel three days ago. Oh, but that's impossible. I t- Excuse me a minute. Hello? Yes, he's here. Just a minute. It's for you, Ranger. Thanks. Hello, Pearson. They did. Good. Who? That definite? I see. Thanks a lot. That was the lab man, Sheriff. Your deputy told him we'd be here. Dentist about 15 miles from here identified that bridge work. Who was the dead man, Jace? Who we thought it was? Yeah. It's not easy to say this, Mrs. Taylor. What is it? They've identified the man in the fire. It was your husband. Oh, no! Oh, no! I'm afraid so, ma'am. Would you rather we came back at another time, Mrs. Taylor? No, I'll be all right in a minute. I hate to ask questions at a time like this, but there are some things we have to know. What is it you want? Who's your husband's beneficiary, Mrs. Taylor? Well, I am, of course. Who else would be? I know what you're thinking, that I had something to do with his death. Well, you're crazy, do you hear me? This is our job, Mrs. Taylor. I'll give you something to think about. I'll show you. You you want a suspect, do you? You just wait till I show you this insurance policy. There. Read it. For God, read it. Read it. There's a policy on my husband's life of $50,000. And who's the beneficiary on that one? Who is it, Chase? Edward Woodley. The sheriff and I left Mrs. Taylor, got in the car, and drove to the adjoining farm of Ed Woodley. I wanted to know about that policy I'd just been shown. Why, sure, Ranger. That policy's been in effect for about three years. One of those personal policies. Why was it taken out? Well, it's pretty common practice when two partners are important to a business. Ask any insurance man. If Sam dies, I collect. I die, he collects. Why didn't you mention it when we were here before? Didn't seem a reason to. I still don't. 
Why are you so interested in that policy anyway? Because you're about to collect on it. The dead man in the fire was your partner. Sam? Well, but how did he... Are you sure, Ranger? We're sure. I think you better come down with us to the sheriff's office, Mr. Woodley. What for? Why? Because you profit by your partner's death. That could be a pretty good motive for murder. For a minute, I thought Woodley was going to give us trouble. Then, without a word, he got his hat and came along with us. When we got to the sheriff's office, we left Woodley with a deputy and went into the inner office to see Johnny Blanche, our lab man. He was packing the dead man's effects in a cardboard box as we entered. About finished up, Johnny? Yeah, there's nothing much more I can do until I get this stuff to the lab. Hope we didn't keep you waiting too long. Oh, no. I've been making out a receipt for you, Sheriff. I'll just sign it and get along. I see that receipt, Johnny? Sure thing. Yeah. Thanks. Wallet, pin, coins. Anything wrong, Chase? I'm sure I listed everything. Johnny, would you mind if I take a look at that box? Not at all. Everything there? Yeah. Everything you got on your list, but... I don't know. Something's... Wait a minute. The key. Where is his key? What key? The one Taylor used to get in the building. Well, there wasn't any key found on Taylor's body. Well, if there wasn't, we got the wrong man sitting in the outer office. How do you mean, Jace? Don't you see, Sheriff? There were only two keys to the building. One for each partner. Taylor's is missing. Now, if Woodley were the killer, he wouldn't have to steal Taylor's key. You mean someone used Taylor's key to get him into the building? Mm, Sure looks like it. Yeah, but, Jace, Mrs. Taylor would be the only other one who could profit by her husband's death. And she wouldn't have the strength to get him in there. Unless she had some help. Yeah, but who? That Mexican foreman of hers. He seemed obliging in a lot of ways. Maybe the motive wasn't money after all. Yeah, they were pretty friendly. Sheriff, let's you and I pay another visit to the lady who was so broken up by her husband's death. After we got a search warrant, we took Mr. Woodley to his house. Ten minutes later, the sheriff and I were knocking at Mrs. Taylor's front door. There was no one home. We decided to wait till she showed up. Thirty yards from the house was Ramirez's shack. The door was unlocked, so we went in and looked. Jace, this drawer here is just crammed full of expensive shirts. Well, something interesting here, too. What do you got? Expensive piece of luggage. And look at those initials. S.T. Sam Taylor. It sure doesn't stand for Arturo Ramirez. More shirts. Mm, Guess he didn't have enough room for them in the drawer. Yeah. Well, this sure proves Taylor came back home. Yeah. Probably found Ramirez in the house. That's what started it all. Hey, wait a minute, Jace. There's a car coming. Could be them. Leave the bag here. Let's get outside. We can just about meet him at the house, Sheriff. I want to hear him explain what we found in that shack. They'll try. This will be the last time, Mrs. Taylor. Uh, I'll put the car away, Senor. You leave the car right where it is, Ramirez. Get out of it and come over here. See, 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 I come. Mrs. Taylor, I got a search warrant here. I'll start with your handbag. You have no right to do this. Here's the key, Sheriff. Same kind Woodley has. That's my husband's keys. That's the first time you've told the truth, Mrs. Taylor. What about you, Ramirez? 
Me, senor? Yes, you. You got an idea where we can find half a knife? Knife? What knife? The one Mr. Taylor was stabbed with. You're crazy. Here's my knife. Yeah. Shiny and new. But how are you going to explain Taylor's shirts and luggage in your shack, Ramirez? I want to hear that. Ramirez, you fool. A $40 bag and a couple of dozen shirts you just couldn't resist. I, I didn't mean to do it. Keep your mouth shut, Ramirez. He started to fight with me. It was her idea to make the fire so it would look like an accident. Ramirez! Uh, I won't die for you. I won't. You. Hold it, Ramirez. No, no, you let me go. I said hold it. You stupid fool. I can't stand the sight of you. I wish I'd never seen you. You won't have to worry about that anymore, Mrs. Taylor. I don't think you're going to see each other for a long, long time. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Throughout the remainder of the day, you'll find more great entertainment awaiting you on this NBC station. Be sure to hear The First Nighter, starring Barbara Luddy and Olin Soleil in a drama entitled Found One Mother. Then it stars in Khaki and Blue, featuring talented members of the armed forces, with Meredith Wilson as guest master of ceremonies. And be sure to hear the hilarious Phil Harris Alice Faye show, featuring the comedy antics of Frankie Revely, Julius Abruzio, and Brother William. Remember, too, that Theater Guild on the Air brings you Over 21, the hilarious comedy of Army Life by an Army wife, Ruth Gordon, who will star in the air play along with Van Heflin. Later tonight, Jack Parr will be around to ask the $64 question. Sunday is fun day on NBC because of the many fine shows sent your way to add to your listening pleasure. So remember, for fine entertainment all the rest of the day, keep tuned to this station of the NBC Radio Network. At home or away, at work or at play, wherever you go, there's radio. And now back to the conclusion of today's Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. On July 11th, 1939, Peggy Taylor and Arturo Ramirez were tried for the murder of Samuel Taylor. They were found guilty. Peggy Taylor was sentenced to the women's prison at Gorey for 40 years. And Arturo Ramirez was sent to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. And here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. Folks, I want to take this opportunity to thank you again for the many wonderful letters that we've received from you listeners. Hearing from you brings us just a little closer to our family of friends who listen to Tales of the Texas Rangers each week. I want to tell you a little story about our good friend and technical advisor, Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez. Several years ago, Kilgore, Texas, found an oil field at his front door. In eight weeks, the dusty, sleepy little village of 900 population became a sprawling, brawling city of 25,000. Strangers streamed in by the thousands, and with the good people came the motley horde of confidence men, gamblers, and professional thugs. Soon, the honest, hard-working people of the community found themselves at the mercy of these racketeers. Gonzalez was ordered to go in and clean up the community. In his first offensive, he rounded up 500 persons whom he considered undesirable and clapped them in jail. When I asked him how he could tell the good people from the bad, he said, Well, in those days, it wasn't hard at all. I just looked at their hands. If they had working man's hands with calluses on them, I figured they were trying to make an honest dollar. But if their hands were smooth and lily-white... I reckon they weren't up to too much good, and into the who's gal they'd go. 
Wasn't wrong very often either. So long, folks. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. soon be seen in San Francisco Story, a Warner Brothers release. The cast included Tony Barrett, Parley Bear, Virginia Gregg, Barney Phillips, Betty Lou Gerson, and Howard McNair. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Anthony Barrett, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's The Chase on NBC. Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Every day, Monday through Friday, there's top entertainment all day long when you set your radio dial to NBC. Listen for Double or Nothing and you'll hear one of radio's funniest quiz shows. Yes, Walter O'Keefe consistently comes up with great comedy entertainment Monday through Friday on Double or Nothing. Listen and you'll agree. And then there's the program with the heart, Strike It Rich. The grand entertainment that Warren Hull brings you every day on Strike It Rich is just what the doctor ordered if you suffer from the housework blues. From Chicago, Tommy Bartlett brings you welcome travelers and interviews with the many interesting guests who each day pass through the Windy City. And for more fun, listen for Bob and Ray, those two zany comics. And then there's music and charm with Dave Garraway. So remember, every day, Monday through Friday, chase your blues away with the wonderful daytime programs on this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, here's today's adventure with the tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Jailbird. On October 8, 1939, Jim Hackett, serving a life term for armed robbery and murder, escaped from a Texas state prison farm. He was assisted in his escape by a woman believed to be his wife. A statewide manhunt was carried on by all law enforcement bodies. Just after dark, two days later, in the town of Oak Bluff, Texas, a woman climbed the stairs to a room above a hardware store. That you, Sam? Yeah. Hurry up, get in here. 
Here's your sandwiches. What took you so long? They run out of ham. Had to send out for it. You should have got something else. How many times I got to tell you not to hang around outside? Well, you wanted ham. I'd have brought you cheese or something else. You'd have got sore like you did yesterday. I didn't want you Shut yelling. Shut up. You talk too much. Did you mail that letter I give you? Yeah. Jim. Now, what's I, the matter with you? Nothing. You're shaking all over. What's the matter with you? I, I think somebody's seen me. What are you talking about? When I was in the cafe waiting for your sandwiches, this man, he kept looking at me. Cop? I don't know. He didn't have no badge or nothing. Could have been one of them hick constables. Did he tell you? I don't know. I came back here as quick as I could. Turn out the light. What for? Turn it out. Well, what you gonna do? I'm gonna pull this shade and take a look. Yeah, there's a man out there. Stand across the street. Come on over here. Either one. Well, let me see Keep your face away from that window. But how can I see if you don't... Quit let... talking and look. You the one that was in that cafe? Yeah. He's a cop, you dumb... I couldn't help Shut it. Shut up. You and that blonde hair of yours. Maybe I ought to die. I could die back real quick. Too late now. You should have thought of that before. What are we going to do? I don't know yet. i got to figure. Jim, coming down the street, them two men. Yeah, ain't no thought about them being cops either. Sheriff and one of his boys. Well, maybe they ain't after us. Maybe they don't Will even you know... Will you shut up? we got to get out of here. Come on. Come on, will you? Ain't we gonna take our stuff along? Are you crazy? Come on. Now, wait a minute. Huh? All right, let's go. Not that way. What? We're going out the back. There ain't no way out Don't the back. Don't talk so loud. We'll make it down the fire escape. Uh, I'll get out first. Uh, don't leave me in here. Will you quit talking so loud? Come on, give me a hand. Okay. Come on. Come this place. Wait a minute. I want to close the window. I right, keep going. I'm right behind you. All right. Well, move, move, will you? Get up. Let me alone, will you? Okay. Now let's see. Jim. Huh? Come around that corner. Hold it there, you two. Why, you did it! Come on. You killed him. You killed a cop. One less after us. Pick up your feet. Come on. The couple ran on, leaving Constable Simmons dead in the alley behind the hardware store. Shortly afterward, a witness reported seeing a man and woman jump into a car, stop for a traffic signal, and force the single occupant to drive off at high speed. All police units within a 100-mile radius were immediately alerted. Fifteen minutes later, Texas Rangers Jace Pearson and Clay Morgan approached a highway junction 20 miles south of Oak Bluff. There's a main road up ahead, Jace. Report said they were heading this way. I'll set up a roadblock at the junction. Pick them up if they try to pass. I reckon they could have turned off before they got this far off? Maybe, but it's more likely they'd try to get as much distance as they can between them and Oak Bluff. The main road's the best. Clay, car coming up that highway now. Yeah, it sure looks like it. Boy, they must be doing 90. Hang on. There they go. They're really hitting it. Afraid we're not going to be able to keep up with them. This horse trailer slows us down too much. Yeah, this upgrade doesn't help any. Sure wish I could draw a few rifle shots at him. Yeah, you can't risk it, not with that other man in the car. Oh, we're losing them, Jace. They're already over the top of the hill. I better get hold of headquarters. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA to Unit 10. Go ahead, Unit 10. This unit pursuing car believed to contain Hackett and his wife. Direction south along State Road 292. 10-4. Unit 14, approaching your position from north. We'll inform that unit to set up block. 10-4, unit 10, clear. KDXS. With 14 waiting for them down the road, I don't feel so bad about their getting out of sight. And they probably saw us coming after them, though. Take a good look down every side road we pass, Clay, just in case they decide to turn off. Jace, there they are, halfway down the hill. Yeah, didn't get as far ahead as I thought. Look at them weaving. Must have had a blowout or something. I think we're gaining a little. They're not going to make that curve up ahead, Jace. They're going off the road. 
Over the embankment. Keep on your toes when we stop. I doubt if anybody's going to walk away from that wreck. Poor guy that was with him, he probably got it too. There's the car in that gully. Don't see anybody around. They must all still be in the car. And get down through here. Yeah. Over there, Clay. Huh? By that mesquite part way down. Hey, it's a man. It's been thrown clear when the car turned over. It's not Hackett. Second, it's the fellow that owned the car. He dead? Yeah. Hey, Jace. What's the matter? This fellow didn't get killed in the wreck. He's been shot. Let's get over to that car. Watch it. If anybody's inside, can't be much left of them. You better be sure. Careful of the broken glass. Uh-huh. They're not in here. Oh. But look at that. What? That hand throttle. Yeah, pulled out all the way. That's why the car was weaving before it went off the road. There was nobody in it but a dead man. You figure Hackett and his wife got out, pulled out the throttle, then just let the car go? Probably. That would account for why we gained on them coming over the hill. And they're bound to be around here somewhere on foot. Yeah. Let's go see if we can pick up a trail. We went back to our car and notified headquarters of what had happened. Then we unloaded our horses and began combing the area. At noon the next day, a rancher five miles west of the scene of the wreck informed us that two of his horses had been stolen the night before. We figured that Hackett and his wife had gotten away. We drove to the lab at Austin and started going over the articles taken from the room in Oak Bluff where the fugitives had been hiding. Our first break was a crumpled sheet of paper which had been removed from the wastebasket. It was the beginning of a letter in Hackett's handwriting to a man named Len. It had been discarded because of an ink blot. The gist of the letter was for Lynn to meet Hackett, but it didn't say when or where. We felt this could be a lead, so Clay phoned the warden at the pen to find out about Hackett's prison associates. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's spell that last name again, will you? Okay, I've got it now. Thank you. So long, warden. Any luck? Yeah, maybe. A man named Len Jeter was Hackett's cellmate for nearly two years. He's still in the pen? No, finished his full term about six months ago. Let's see what the files say about him. It's a pretty long chance, Jase. Hackett might not have rewritten that letter. It could be he didn't send it. Men like Hackett don't write letters too often. When they do, it's usually for some special purpose. I'd say it's fairly likely he sent the letter. Yeah, it's worth a try anyhow. Let's see. Jeter's file ought to be down a little further. I sure hope we turn up something that gives us a lead to Hackett. Uh-huh. Here we are. Pull his file, Clay. Jaeger, Jinzo. Here it is, Jeter, Len. Let's take it over to the table. Yeah. It's a nice, fat folder. Whoever he is, this boy's no beginner. Neither is Hackett. Probably got a lot in common. Here's a mugshot of him, Jace. Looks like he wanted to chew up the camera. Yeah, turn the page. Let's see what kind of a record he has. Mm-hmm. Sixteen arrests, five convictions. Let me see it a second. This should be some help. What's that? He's lived at the same place for the past 20 years when he wasn't in jail. Mm-hmm. Just outside Fuller. Jeez, if he doesn't know anything about Hackett, we might have trouble making him talk. Hey, look at this under remarks. Refuse to talk. Refuse to talk. No voluntary statement. If he's still at home, maybe we shouldn't try to make him talk. Well, what do you figure to do? Watch Len Jeter's place without his knowing we're there. If he is taken off to meet Hackett, we want to be right after him. We contacted the sheriff at Fuller, Texas, and told him what we had in mind. Then we drove out to Len Jeter's place. It was a run-down house at the foot of a hill just off the main highway. 
We took up a position on top of the hill where we could watch the house without being seen. After an hour, we saw Jeter come out of the house and begin chopping wood. For the next two days, he made no effort to leave his property. Clay and I watched during the day, and the sheriff's deputies took over at night. Toward noon of the third day, we lay on the brow of the hill watching Jeter move around his backyard. Sure gets hot out here around the middle of the day. Uh Uh-huh. I'm beginning to think maybe he never got Hackett's letter, Jason. Uh, Maybe not. He doesn't do anything but hang around the house. Doesn't even go out for groceries. We'll keep watching. He's got to go somewhere sooner or later. Yeah, but when? That's what we'll have to wait and find out. We don't know when Hackett wants to meet him. That's a sense he's not in any hurry to go anywhere today. It could be barking up the wrong tree, you know. Jeter's our only lead to Hackett. One way or another, we got to stay close to him. Yeah, I reckon you're right. Hey, here's the sheriff. Howdy, Jase. Clay. Better keep low, Sheriff. Oh, yeah. Still nothing, huh? Yeah, not yet. Can your deputies take over again tonight, Sheriff? Well, sure, Jase. I just don't... Hey, what's that? Cheater. Usually does some target practice about this time of day. Oh. Like I was saying, I can't see why you don't let me go down there and pick him up. I've had him in town before. I reckon between the three of us, we could make him talk. You didn't seem to have too much luck making him talk the last few times you took him in. It could be with three of us, he'd be even more close mouthed. Oh, I admit he's tough, and he don't do much talking. But you fellas could sit out here a month without getting any place. Sheriff's right, Jase. Maybe we should take him in. Okay. I sure wish there was some way to save this lead in case he doesn't talk. So do I. But I don't know what it'd be. Wait a minute. I got an idea. Clay, suppose you take Len Jeter in alone. I don't get you, Jace. Sheriff, can you fix me up with an old suit back in town? Well, sure, Jace, but what for? We're going to do a little play acting, all of us. When I change clothes, I want you to lock me up. I'm going to be one of the toughest gunmen in Texas, and you and Clay are going to treat me just that way. What do you got in mind? You bring Len Jeter in and put him in a cell with me. Maybe after we've been together a while, he and I'll have a nice, friendly little talk. I don't know, Jace. If he ever finds out you're a ranger, we're finished. It's a chance we'll have to take. Give the sheriff and me an hour, Clay, and go pick up Len Jeter. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. If you want your child to have the best elementary schooling you can give him, won't you get a pencil and paper and take down the address I'm going to give you at the end of this message? Unless we start preparing now, in a few years, our public schools will be as far behind times as the the little red schoolhouse. Because of the huge increase in our birth rate during and after the last war, it's estimated that by 1956... There will be some 7 million more children in elementary schools than there are now. Now, we must start preparing at once. More equipment will be needed, textbooks, playgrounds, and above all, more elementary school teachers. To help assure your child a proper education, join and work with local groups and school boards. And for free information about how people in other communities are improving their schools, write to this address, National Citizens Commission for the Public Schools, 2 West 45th Street, New York, 19 New York. That's National Citizens Commission for the Public Schools, 2 West 45th Street, New York, 19 New York. And now back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Jailbird. (laughs) 
After I changed clothes, the sheriff locked me in an empty cell at the county jail. Two hours later, I was still there, alone. It was pretty evident Lynn Jeter hadn't talked. Then I heard the outer door open and close. Clay and the sheriff came along the corridor with Jeter. I stood close to the cell door and waited. All right, then, look, I tell you, you got no right to put me in here. I ain't done nothing. Come on, Jeter, now keep moving. You got no right to lock me up. We're not through talking to you yet. Huh? I'll tell you something, copper. Even if I knew where Jim Hackett was, you wouldn't get nothing out of me. Maybe you'll change your mind. Lock him up, Sheriff. You, Finnerty, get back at the cell door. What for? Now, look, Finnerty, we don't want no more trouble out of you. Move back. Ah. I ain't going no cell with nobody. You put me in a cell alone. The house is full. You'll take what you get. Don't worry, Jeter. You'll get along with Finnerty here. He's just like you, only worse. I don't want to be in a cell with nobody. I don't want you in here with me, neither. Get in there, Jeter. And you, Finnerty, you're coming with us. You gonna let me out now? Not yet. We found somebody who might have seen you rob that liquor store. Nobody's seen me rob nothing. Come on, Finnerty. Why don't you come get me? Why, you aren't... Hold it, Sheriff. Now, look, Finnerty. You've already given us a lot of trouble. Don't make it worse for yourself. You gonna come quiet? All right. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, you in there. Keep off that bottom bunk. It belongs to me. You paid for it? Just stay off it. Find Johnny when I come back. Come on, I'll... come on. Take your hands off me. All right, Finity. Come on, let's go. He said take your hands off me. Put the cuffs on him, Sheriff. That'll keep you from getting too frisky. Dirty cops. Come on, get moving. Think you're going to make me talk. You better start thinking again. Hey, we don't need no talk now. We got a witness. Witness? Who are you trying to kid? Keep your mouth shut, Finity. I've heard just about enough out of you. You haven't heard nothing yet. Get moving. I told you before, keep your hands off me. Keep moving. Pretty smart, Ranger. I wish there were just one of you here. I'd show Come you. Come on, Finnerty. We don't want any more trouble from you. I reckon you can relax now, Clay. Yeah. Forgot myself for a second. Boy, you tough. You almost had me fooled. I still have to convince Jeter. You get anything out of him? Not a word, Jace. You were right about that. You search his place? Uh-huh. Nothing. Well, what's the next move? I'll stay in the sheriff's office for half an hour, and you can take me back to Jeter. Clay and the sheriff took me back to the cell. I could see Jeter was curious. I said nothing to him. For about an hour, I sat on the bunk, ignoring him. For another 30 minutes, I paced around the cell. Jeter watched me constantly. Several times, he started to speak and then thought better of it. Finally, he couldn't stand it any longer. Where are you from? Hey, you. Finity. You talking to me? Yeah. Ask where you was from. No special place. I've been all over. Hmm? I ain't seen you around this part of the country before. No, don't reckon you have. What you in for? They say I knocked over a liquor store. What, did you? You sure ask a lot of questions, brother. You know, for a while I wasn't sure. I was thinking you's a cop. <laughs> That's funny. I was thinking the same thing about you. You know something? I still think you are. You think I'm a cop? Wouldn't be the first time they put one in my cell trying to make me talk. You crazy, I know cop. Yeah, that's what they always say. Hey, you're not going to get anything out of me. Hey, Finley, you got it all. You're wasting your time. Go on, rattle the bar, tell your pals to come get you. Don't use you hanging around here. Look, you ever hear Jim Hackett? Maybe. Well, I'm a friend of his. That ought to tell you I ain't no cop. 
Anybody can say he's a friend of Jim Hackett. Where you live? I got a place right outside town. I bet you have. What are you? Deputy, ranger, what are you? Ain't none of them. You see that place of mine, you know it wasn't no cop's house. Hmm. I don't reckon I care about seeing it. Now let me be, brother. I got some thinking to do. We sat in silence for the rest of the afternoon. A little before six, the sheriff took me out of my cell. Jeter was to be released an hour later and taken to the bus station. I went over there ahead of time, bought a newspaper, and sat on a bench in full view of the entrance and waited. At 7.15, Jeter came in. I pretended not to see him. He walked over to where I was sitting and stood looking at me. Hello, Finley. See the sprung you. Huh? Oh, it's you. What are you doing, tailing me? I ain't telling you or nobody else here. Let me out. I'm going home. Is that right? Go on, beat it, copper. Finity, for the last time, I ain't no cop. You say they let you out? Yeah. How come they didn't take you home? Well, they didn't have no car handy. Give me a bus fare instead. Ah, you ought to get a better story than that, copper. Now, beat it. I want to read my paper. Look, Finity, where are you heading? You'd like to know, wouldn't you? Okay, copper, I'll tell you. I'm going to Oklahoma City. You gonna make something out of that? Bus for the north don't leave or... Eight tomorrow morning. Mm, I just found that out. Reckon I can kill time till then. I'd just as soon do it alone. I want to show you something, Finley. What? I just want to prove I ain't no cop. How about you coming out to my place? I'll feed you and give you a flop for the night. Huh? I'm okay right here. Besides, I got to go to Oklahoma City in the morning. The bus comes in here long for you. Hey, you can catch it near my place. How about it? Well, okay. I got nothing to lose. I reckon if you're going to keep tailing me, you might as well feed me. There. You believe me now? Yeah. Don't look like a cop's place. And it ain't. Go on in. I get the light. Nice and quiet out around here. It's okay. And it ain't no cop's place. No, don't reckon it is. You uh, like bacon eggs? Sure. Right, I'll fix it, something. Uh, what you faking of doing, Oklahoma City? That's my business. <laughs> you know, Vanity, you're okay. That's good. <laughs> you know how to keep your mouth shut, and that's something I like. Sixteen times they hold me in, I never spell nothing, not once. You and me, we're, we're alike. Maybe so. Come on out here. I'll talk to you while I'm putting the bacon on the stove. What about? I got an idea. You, uh, got something special to do in Oklahoma City? Nothing special. Just going up to take a look around. Maybe uh, pick up a buck or two. Uh, I kind of figured that. How about coming along with me tomorrow, huh? I can see you get some real dough. Doing what? Remember I told you I was a friend of Jim Hackett? Yeah. Well, uh, him and his wife, they got something real big lined up. They want me in on it. What kind of job is it? I ain't sure. I think it's a refinery payroll. Jim said it was close to quarter million there. You want to come along and cut in on it? How do you know Hackett will want me in on it? Look, Fanny, Jim and me were cellmates together. Anything I do is okay with Jim. Hackett's staying around here? About a hundred miles south. It's kind of hot right now. Him and his wife are hiding out in the shack down there. What time are you pulling out in the morning? I figured on getting a five o'clock bus. Ain't many people around that hour in the morning. I gotta make sure there ain't no cops telling me. Well, how about it, Finley? Well, let me think it over. I'll let you know before morning. 
Before we turned in for the night, I agreed to go with Jeter and work on the job with Jim Hackett. We got up at four the next morning and took the five o'clock bus south. Jeter kept a sharp lookout for police who might be following. I knew Clay would be on our trail and hoped he'd stay far enough behind to avoid being seen by Jeter. He did. And toward noon, Jeter's suspicions relaxed. After an hour layover in a place called Snake River, we got on a local bus which took us ten miles out of town. We walked another three miles along a dirt road. A little before two o'clock, sighted a shack halfway up a hill. Well, there she is. That shack up ahead? Yep. Don't look like anybody's there. Somebody's there, all right. Jim's good at covering his tracks. Probably got the car hit away someplace. How'd you know where this place was? Jim wrote me a letter. Gave me a map on how to find it. Told me to burn it as soon as I knew how to get here. When did he send you this letter? Two, three days ago. Yeah, it seems I read something about him being in the scrape the past couple of days. Are you sure he hasn't changed his plans? Nah, not Jim. He make up his mind to do something, he does it. All the cops in the world can't stop him. Sure, we'll be glad to see him. I reckon he'd be pretty glad to see him. Hey, put your hands up. Huh? Jim, put the gun away. It's, it's, it's me. Oh, yeah. Well, you're lucky I didn't plug you. Seen two guys come up the hill and thought you was cops. Who's this? A friend of mine. I didn't tell you to bring no friends. How about letting us come in, Jim? All right, come on. All right. What's out? She went for grub. Ain't that kind of dangerous? She's pretty easy to spot. She dyed her hair. And you let me worry about her being seen. Sure, Jim. Who are you, mister? I told you, he's a friend of mine. My name's Finnerty. Well, I don't care what your name is. What are you doing here? Well, Jim, don't be that way. I brought Finnerty here because I figured you could use extra man. If I'd have needed a man, I'd have told you. Me and Sal and you can handle this job easy. We don't need nobody else. That's the way you feel about it. Reckon I'll be moving along. I never stay where I'm not wanted. You ain't going no place. Not until no. I tell you to. Now, look. Shut up. How do you know this guy's all right? He's okay. He was in a clank with me. How long you known him? Well, since yesterday, but... Yesterday? Are you crazy, Lou? Look, you can use me, I'll be glad to stay. You don't want me, I'm moving along. You can use him, Jim, he's okay. You should have heard him talk to them cops over the county lockup. He don't take nothing from nobody. Now, how about using him? We ain't using him. And I ain't letting him leave here and spill it all over the country where I'm hiding out. You don't have to worry about that, mister. I'm not the talking kind. That's right, Jimmy ain't. You don't have to worry about Finley. See, I gotta get rid of him. Now, wait a minute. Shut up! You, get over in that corner while I figure out what I'm going to do. Sure. And I'll wait. Come here. What do you want? You got a gun? No. Put your hands over your head. I want to make sure. I told you I didn't have a gun. You should give me that gun, you dirty... There we are. You too, Jeter. Finity, what's this all about? My name's not Finity. You're both under arrest. A cop. I knew it. But he can't be a You cop. stupid. Turn around and keep your hands up. Keep them up. You got no sense, Jeter. A quarter of a million bucks right in our hands, and you got to bring a cop here. How do I know about him? You ought to watch who you take up with. Somebody should have told him that before he took up with you, Hackett. All right, you two. Get moving. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Throughout the remainder of the day, NBC will bring you more great entertainment to brighten your listening. The First Nighter, starring Barbara Luddy and Olin Soule, will bring you an amusing drama of a man who made gold at a dollar a minute in his basement workshop. 
Then Miss Margaret Truman will step before the NBC microphones to introduce talented stars in khaki and blue. And for another amusing play, listen to the Theater Guild on the Air production of The Bishop Misbehaves, with an all-star cast including Charles Lawton, Josephine Hull, and Vanessa Brown. In the mirth and melody department, Phil Harris and Alice Faye will star in a bright 30 minutes of enjoyable, relaxing entertainment. Be sure to hear Phil and Alice and their Court of Royal Gestures later today. Remember, too, that Jack Parr will come a-calling tonight with the $64 question and a program packed with question marks and laughs. So, for fine entertainment, always tune to the three familiar NBC chimes, your invitation to the best in radio listening. And now back to the conclusion of today's Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Ranger Clay Morgan apprehended Sal Hackett on her way back to the shack where she and her husband had been hiding. She was sentenced to 20 years at the women's prison at Gorey. Len Jeter received a 30-year term for obstructing justice and conspiring to commit armed robbery. Jim Hackett was found guilty of murder with malice and died in the electric chair at Huntsville. This is Joel McRae. There are a good many stories that the Rangers tell about some of the so-called bad men they've picked up over the years. They tell about one in particular whose bark was truly worse than his bite. The story goes that this so-called bad man came into a saloon one night, flourishing a pair of pistols, and ordered all the people over in a corner, saying that he was the roughest, toughest man in the whole state of Texas. He then sat down, still pointing his guns at the frightened customers, and ordered the bartender to bring him a drink. What do you have, sir? asked the bartender. Bring me a glass of milk, he replied. Milk, said the bartender. For the roughest, toughest man in the state of Texas? Well, then, answered the bad man, put it in a dirty glass. <laughs> so long, folks. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.